0: episode 80 of the Parkrun Adventurers. If you pressed play and that is not what you were expecting to hear, then you've got the wrong podcast. Scotty, we're in the 80s.
1: Mel, we are in the 80s. Love the 80s. Sick of the 70s. Glad to be in the 80s.
0: Yep, it's all going to be big hair, bad clothes from here on in for the next 10 episodes.
1: Now, you were born in the 80s, weren't you? I was born in the 70s, so I'm glad that's over.
0: <laughs> yeah, eighties were eighties were a good time. Yeah, so good this, times.
1: This is going to be your your stretch. So you're going to come into your own. You've had seventy nine episodes to warm up. Now we're going to oh. find the true Mel.
0: So you're expecting me to bring my A game now? Like after all this time?
1: Just for I the next to be
0: some sort of professional.
1: Just for the next ten episodes. That's all I ask.
0: Oh, then you can go. I will back. try.
1: Then you can go back once we hit episode ninety.
0: Because the '90s, then. <laughs> then it's free for all.
1: <laughs> you know, last week I said I was a kid of the '80s because I have memories of being a kid in the '80s. But I think I was in my prime in the '90s. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit meh for the next ten episodes. But
0: oh, and then you're gonna hit your stride. Yeah,
1: yeah. So on, if on you the could, way to if you could carry us for the next ten, <laughs> that would be great. You know, oh, some I would say I've already carried us for the first seventy-nine, so <laughs> it would be nice if you could chip in for ten.
0: Okay. I'll I'll I will try to do my best since I've obviously been slacking all
1: this time. Now, how's your body holding up?
0: Ah, uh, in relation to streaking or in relation to I haven't slept for more than two and a half hours <laughs> in three months?
1: Mel, I don't care about your sleep patterns. I only care about <laughs> your streaking. <laughs>
0: <gasps> um, my legs are feeling it, and it's it's ridiculous because I'm just. I mean, uh, no no disparity to to walking two kilometres because it's it's a distance. It is. Um, coming yeah, off a base of nothing. Coming off the base of nothing, it's yeah. My my legs are like. What do you mean we're going out again? We did this yesterday and the day before and the day before. So, um. Yeah, everything else seems to be coping okay, although uh, one of my walks already kind of turned into a little bit of a walk-run situation, uh, where I was a little bit worried about wetting myself, but, you know, these things happen. Was it raining? It it was raining, yes. Thank God for that. But that's not why I was talking about wetting myself. (laughs) Just to clarify, (laughs) it was the running that was was going to make that happen. I, you will be pleased to hear that I didn't, but you know, you just never know. And so you do. I I wonder if my running gait was like somebody who's worried on the way to a toilet. Mm. (laughs) You know, who they're just sort of shuffling as fast as they can, but their legs are kind of being held a bit together. I don't know. It it was dark, and there weren't very many people around by that stage because it was raining, and they were all smart and they were indoors. So, but Wes didn't like it. He was screaming his head off. So I had to get him back to the car so we could hide until Adam finished his run.
1: Okay. So, but the whole family's still streaking. Yes, we all we're
0: all we're all streaking together. We're all on the streak. Nobody's missed a day yet. Good. How about Team Tricket? No, I'm
1: still on track, which is better than last month. If we recall, I lasted three days
0: oh, in August, which so is how
1: this all started. But I'm still you've at it.
0: eclipsed August already.
1: Yeah, we have. Just excellent, and it was touch and go on Monday night. I've got to tell you, <laughs> which, which was day one. <laughs> no, no, no. We started no, no. Monday on night, not Friday night. Yeah,
0: this is true. Okay. Touch and go on Monday night. Well, what the, happened on Monday?
1: Well, yeah, no, it was Touch and Go Friday as well. So Friday night we went out really late. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, the whole family got in involved. So we we were out shopping, came home late, and it just had to be done. So we went up to a trail up near where we live, and it was nice and dark. Kasha brought her torch, so it was a real adventure. I that, so Kasha and Yvonne walked two kilometers, and I ran four up and back around them. Uh, Kasia really liked it because it was dark and, you know, the animals were out. So it really was a bit of an adventure for her, and she's she's stuck to it. She's mildly excited about streaking. Mildly
0: excited. That's a lot for a child her age. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, (laughs) And on Monday night, it was, I just didn't want to do it. You know, there's a reason we admire these people that do this. It's because on Monday, I didn't want to.
2: Do you
0: think it's because, like like, I don't know about you, but do you sort of plan, okay, I I know I have to do a run this day so look at it the day before and and decide when will be the best time frame to do it or you just got to Monday and you went to work and you did all your normal stuff and then it got to be later in the evening and you thought, oh crap, I've still got a streak and I haven't done it yet.
1: That's pretty much it, yeah.
0: Yeah, this is where I'm starting to have some troubles as well. So I think I'm... I'm going to have to be a bit more proactive with the planning. So for example, um, Tuesday, I lined up a Tuesday streak in the evening. So I was definitely, you know, there was a time and there was a place and a person that I was going to do it with. So that that's all going to make it happen. Thursday, I've got a course recce to do somewhere else. So it's like, all right, that'll be my streak for Thursday. So, you know, park run day is the most obvious one where everyone's like, all right, well, I'll do park run and then that'll cover my streak. I volunteered last week, so that didn't work for me. That was actually my hardest day. It was Saturday. You know, it's just like, oh, when am I going to get out and actually do some exercise today? So, it's, um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to be a bit more careful about planning in advance. Otherwise, I'm going to be like you and get to the end of the day and go, oh, got to go out and walk up and down the street in the dark for two kilometers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is exactly pretty much what we did on Monday. But we're only a week in, Mel. <laughs> We've got three to go, three and a bit to go. I'm, I'm a little bit worried at this stage. I'm confident that we can both do it, but I'm a little bit worried.
0: I think I think we need to add some extra excitement to the streaking. Yes. And you know, make it not just be about the everyday. I think we need to send out those challenges and maybe make some streaky bingo or something where mm. you know there's a whole bunch of different things that people have to do by the end of the month and they can choose when to do them. But it's just going to add some variety to their streaks.
1: Well, should we start it? Because you were going to do a pyjama run.
0: I was. But you know what? It's got really hot up here. Has it? <laughs> yeah. Spring well, happened. Were you, like were yesterday. Where you summer nighty? Mm, I might be more inclined to get arrested for wearing what I wear <laughs> to bed in summertime than I would for wearing flannelette pyjamas. Well, that is the
1: other problem, isn't it? Some people don't have pyjamas.
0: Exactly. So... Yes, but, um, oh, so I don't know if that's going to be possible, that particular one, a pajama streak.
1: Well, should we make it simple? For, for this week, it's got to be a freedom run. You, I'm already helping you out because you're going to do a course recce on Thursday, so you can count that.
0: But that course isn't launched yet, so... It doesn't matter, I, I it's going to... I can't log it as a freedom run if it doesn't exist. Mm, okay. Because don't, don't you have to choose the course, to select the course... When you're logging freedom runs? It's been a while since I've done one.
1: I think you do. But I think as long as the web page is up and active, it counts.
0: No, they're not that it's not Yeah. It's early in the development stages. Um, all right. Well can can we park that one and just make that one you have to do it sometime during September? Everybody's gotta do a freedom run? Sure. And and not actually allocate it to a particular week? Sure. Okay, cool. Um, I've already done a night time one and that probably wouldn't motivate me to get out and actually do it is having it at night time because that's when I'm tired.
1: How about, how about we crack on with the rest of the show?
0: And maybe by the end we'll have yeah. to do something.
1: I mean, we're going to interview a couple of people just while that's happening. Think up, Yeah, interview's not important.
0: No, we never pay attention to our guests while we're talking to them anyway. no. All right. Good plan, Scotty.
1: Except for the next one. They have our full attention, so – and and it's – I'm excited to chat to our next guest, so shall we? You're
0: excited, are you? I am excited. Can you tell him my voice? <laughs> 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 I can. Good. I, I'm good, picking up to, the excitement tones. <laughs> I hate to
1: give the impression that I'm excited when I'm not, <laughs> but I definitely am, so let's crack on Over the past couple of years, I've become a little bit of a fanboy of this event that happens over in Europe called the UTMB. It's growing every year, and this year, one of the Aussies did really, really well, so we thought we'd get Kelly Emerson on the podcast and have a chat about her race. Welcome to the Park Run Adventurers, Kelly.
2: Hi, guys. Thanks very much for having me.
1: Now, you tackled it this year, and you did really well, being the first Australian
2: I did, thank you. It was, uh, Yes, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life.
1: I can imagine. So so let's go back. Let's take it back to basics. Explain for our listeners who don't know what it is, who aren't fanboys like myself, <laughs> what did you put yourself through over the weekend?
2: Yeah, so the UTMB stands for the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. It is the biggest trail running race in the world, or well, ultra distance trail running race in the world. There's... About 170 kilometres with over 10,000 metres of elevation gain. Um, To throw into the mix of that, we had the most terrible conditions that they've had in 15 years. Um, We had blizzards, snow, crazy wind. It was about minus 10 overnight, I think, and probably during the day as well. Um, So, yeah, it was pretty intense.
0: (coughs) I love this description from Trail Run Magazine that they say that it's effectively right, like running four marathons in thin air while running up and down a 3,500-storey building. You've you've been there and done it. Can, can you clarify whether or not that's exactly what it's like?
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's really good. Um, yeah, look, it's hard. There's sections that are nice and runnable, which is great, and then there's other times where the climbs just go on forever and ever. It's nothing like... Running in Australia, it's completely different. And I felt about the cold. That was probably the biggest challenge for me was the cold. Yeah,
0: we were were discussing this um, a little bit earlier, Scotty and I, about the fact that we, in terms of terrain, we don't really have what you must have been facing while you're running around um, over that 28 plus hours, the people that finished a little bit ahead of you, you came fifth overall, but the the ladies who finished ahead, they're from Spain, Switzerland, France, Japan, you know, they all have mountain ranges that they can possibly train in. How how do you prepare for something like this?
2: Yeah, look, it's challenging um, trying to compete against these girls um, when I come from Australia. I live at the base of the Dandenong Ranges and so that, that's my, my home training ground <clears throat> um, and it's just getting out and doing lots of hiking and, and doing lots of repeats of every steep hill that I can find in there. Um, but it's also about trying to have some weekends away. We can get away from home and away from all the distractions. Um, we, had a few, um, we did a recce of the Hut to Hut course through the, the Vic Alps um, and my the, probably the biggest lead in race was doing the Kokoda Ultramarathon. Um, which ended up being the perfect lead-in race because um, just the technicality of both courses, um, there was so much mud at UTMV. There was more mud than, than at Kokoda um, and the tree roots and things. So um, that gave me a lot of good strength on legs over, you know, we did 96 k's over three days on that course. Um, yeah, so just finding, finding different ways of, of getting that hiking and that strength in.
1: They call it a race, but over 170 kilometres and the distance and the terrain that you're travelling, are you able to race it? I mean, it took you 28 hours. Are you racing for 28 hours?
2: It's a good question. Um, I went into it (coughs) ranked fairly highly from the ITRA points, the international ranking system. Um, But... I didn't really see myself as being able to compete with those girls because <coughs> exactly what, what you pointed out, they live in the mountains. They, uh, most of them had done 100-mile races before. This was my first one. Um, so whilst I, I just wanted to run my own race and, you know, the, the ultimate goal was to finish and finish, finish well, but um, I guess, you know, right at the start I found myself in front of Caroline and Nuria, who are you know, the best runners in the world, um, and quickly realized that I probably shouldn't be there, <clears throat> but um, you know, I didn't fall too far off the pace once we started climbing and um though I guess the other girls were always in the back of the, my mind, but it was it was more about survival than anything, especially going through those really cold um high sections on the mountains um and then it I guess it, it really for me it turned into a race in the in the last section um where I managed to overtake Anne-Marie from Great Britain um, in the first part of the, the last section. And then um, with about four Ks to go, I got told that I was closing in on one of the other girls. And so um, I went for it and uh, I've never actually run that hard in my life, let alone at the end of, a, of already running 160 Ks. So, yeah, it was pretty bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: can only imagine? You touched on the coldness there. Can you describe how cold it is? actually get, because of the footage of that I've seen, you start out, everybody's nice and happy and looking warm, but we don't see much footage of you being freezing cold up in the mountains.
2: No, so the first 30 k's of the race, uh, so the race starts at 6 o'clock at night, and the first 30 k's of the race, there are people lining the streets, for just everywhere 10 people back, like it's just the most incredible thing you ever experienced in your life. Um, but obviously then you get into the night and you head into the dark and the cold and up a lot higher and you know, people don't follow you all the way up there. There's about like the odd few that do, um, the odd enthusiasts um, that, that climb up but yeah, most people don't really see what's going on <clears throat> in the middle of the night at the top of those mountains and um, I have never been so cold in my life. That night was, was really freezing. I was really glad that I took extra kit um, than what was required in the mandatory gear list. Um you know, often people are trying to get away with as minimal as possible but um, I wouldn't have survived unless I'd taken extra stuff and <clears throat> I'd actually, I actually had to stop in the top of the mountain and get someone to help me, um, you know, get some more warm layers on because it was just I couldn't feel my hands. I couldn't, you know, you didn't want to eat or drink because you'd have to uncover your face. And um, Yeah, I'm sure it would have been minus 10 that night. It snowed at least four times. Um but then the next day it was probably even worse. <laughs> I got stuck in a blizzard and um, there was nowhere to go. There was no shelter. Um, you just had to keep moving and try and get down the mountain as quick as you can.
0: It sounds insane. Kelly, can you take us through? You, you said you you have to carry your kit with you and everything that you're going to need, um, clothes and hydration, etc. What, what What goes in your bag and how heavy is it?
2: The kit for this race is, is pretty reasonable. and. After doing Kokoda, (laughs) nothing seems very heavy anymore because that was about a 10-kilo pack. Um, So for this race, um, you obviously need to have your pack. You need to carry um, a litre of water, um, a thermal top um, and a wind jacket or a a thicker jumper. Um, You have to carry a beanie, a fur or a headband, um, thermal gloves, waterproof gloves, Um, spare food and you've got to remember that you could be without seeing a crew for, you know, at least eight hours at a time so you need to make sure that you've got enough fuel for that time. Um, You need to carry a phone, uh, survival blanket, whistle. I think that's about it. Oh, no, Uh, raincoat, um, waterproof pants. That's probably about it yeah it sounds like a lot of stuff, but um it, 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 we needed it.
0: A liter of water does not sound like a lot of water.
2: No, it doesn't, but um there are it is pretty well um, it's pretty well aided. there's you know um there's a lot of aid stations out there. you you're not going you might go for a few hours at a time without um seeing anybody, but um I guess when you compete this this often and you're used to doing these sort of things, um you know what you can cope with. Um, I know that I, I don't drink a whole lot. Some of the blokes who sweat a lot more might, um, you know, have to think about that and, and make sure that they're carrying more than that.
0: Okay. And so you're awake for more than a day, like 24 hours plus, you know, extra, extra, extra. You start at 6 o'clock at night. So you've already been awake for a day effectively. I I need a nap by morning tea most days. How do you stay awake when you're moving
2: <laughs> uh, that's a really good question as well that was my main fear um going into it because i had never run a hundred mile race let alone one that was this difficult um so i re- was really worried about the fatigue um i went off caffeine for the three weeks leading up to the race and um that was pretty awful some pretty awful uh, withdrawal headaches um but it turned out to be a really good decision um the day of the race i i didn't really go out i went for a really short little walk and then I just stayed at home and, and tried to put my feet up and rest and um, then it, as the race started, you know, you've got the energy of the crowd, you're not really thinking about um, being tired at all until you start losing that crowd and you're you know, in the middle of the night um, and that's when I started with um, some coke and um, for the rest of the race it was, you know, a little bit of no and some Revy strips, just trying to keep the caffeine and sugar up um to keep me awake but i was you know i really think that the the going off caffeine for for three weeks really helped because i never really had any real sleepy moments maybe mildly and as the sunrise came up on the, the following day but um yeah it, it, it wasn't a problem and i really surprised myself so it was worth it <laughs>
1: okay so you've gone through all that i want to talk about the finish this event's now being described as the tour de france of trail running the finish and and you mentioned the start looks phenomenal like lots of people turning out to cheer you on How, how did you go crossing the finishing line and having all that support it's a bit unusual for trail running
2: it's totally unusual for trail running we don't see anything like it in australia um it's just so overwhelming it's so exciting um it's you just feel like a rock star running through some of these towns it's just crazy Um, It's really hard to describe without having experienced it. Um, So, yeah, the start line in the and the first few towns were just crazy. Um, And you've got people, you know, that climb up to some of the mountains with their huge cowbells and um, everyone just gets so into it. Um, So crossing the finish line was, especially because of the way that the finish happened with a a bit of a sprint finish, um, it was just an amazing, amazing experience, and luckily I, I came through early enough that there were still lots of people out and about, and um, yeah, the crowd was going wild, so it was it was a really amazing, amazing feeling.
0: That was going to be my next question. You you came in at fifth, just beating the sixth person, who is Canada's Alyssa Saint Laurent, uh, by was it like forty five seconds or not? No, less than less than 40 seconds, how do you – where do you find anything left in the tank after you've done that kind of event to to have a sprint finish?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's amazing what the mind and body can do. Um, As I said in that last section, and initially I went into that in seventh position and – my crew kept telling me where the other girls were and I just didn't want to know about it. I just wanted to run my own race. Um, However, then I I caught Anne-Marie in sixth and um, we were flying down a a really technical descent and I just had all this energy and this adrenaline and, um, you know, I I just went for it and then stupidly (laughs) didn't realise that I had to climb all the way back up again. So that was a pretty tough climb going back up Um, because I felt like I wasted a lot of energy and I wasn't really focused on on eating or drinking anything at that point, Um, despite that section probably taking a good three and a half hours. Um, And then as I started the descent, it's eight kilometres from La Flaugère back down to Chamonix. And um, I got (coughs) with about four k's to go and a friend from back home had climbed up the mountain in the middle of the night and um, let me know that I was gaining on, on Alyssa. And uh, just told me to go for it. And I don't know, it's some little switch in my brain just went off and um, I just sprinted down the mountain and it was, it was crazy. Um, my watch had died by that point, but Alyssa on the road clocked a, a 318 kilometre um, and I was moving quicker than that and I, I would have been full pelt for at least 4K. So um, I've got no idea how my body did that after, after running for that long.
1: Must have been good training, Kelly. You're part of Brendan Davies' crew, good friend of the podcast. What sort of training did you have to go through to get ready for this event?
2: Yeah, so, yeah, I'm an athlete of Brendan's and I also coach for UpCoaching as well. Um, I think – I don't think you can train specifically for an event like this. I think this was an accumulation of eight years of running and racing and hiking and, um, you know, I think – all of those experiences led to this. In particular, I guess in the last few months, it was finding the right races at the right times um, as lead-up events. It was just getting out and doing a lot more hiking than I, I normally would and getting lots of good leg strength, um, occasionally wearing a, a weight vest, um, practising using poles because I, I don't often use poles. We don't need them really in Australia. Um, and trying to practise and you know more of those technical descents and, and things as well. Um, I really hate training through the Melbourne winter. It's, you know, it's not, I don't find it enjoyable. Um, so that was quite a challenge, but um, it probably put me in a really good stead for the conditions of this race. So. I,
0: I know quite a few other Melbourneites who are complaining about the weather during the winter and going out for runs. So I'm sure you're in good company there.
1: She doesn't understand, Kelly. She's from the Sunshine Coast. It's pretty <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> and it still is. So you're lucky you're over there because it's freezing at the moment still.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Kelly, um, we're we're all about the parkrun adventures. Have you you've been to parkruns yourself? Where would you normally parkrun?
2: Yeah, so my home parkrun is um at um Lillardale Lake. That's only a few K's from home. It's a nice flat course around the around the lake there. And has
0: park parkrun played any part in preparing you for like your sprint finishes at the end of
2: UTMB? Oh hundred percent. Um, you know, I think it's really important to do speed work and to be fast. Um, in order to be a better runner of the longer stuff. Um, you know, lots of people overlook speed work because they think that they're running, you know, fifty hundred Ks and it doesn't matter. But um, you know, if you can remain fast, um and and be able to do the longer distances, it's gonna really help. Um, so yeah, I think I think park runs great for all, all distances.
1: I mean this this is why running so great. So some people would see parkrun as their long run for the week, but you treat it as your speed work for the week. Um, so it's all relative, I guess. What's What's next yeah, totally. for you? What's next for you, Kelly? What, what, you're obviously taking some time off. You're still staying over in Europe.
2: Yeah, it's been a pretty big year. Um, <clears throat> I did Tarawarra um, in New Zealand in January, and then I had world champs over in Italy uh, in May, I think. Um done Kokoda and now I've done UTMB with, you know, a few other 50K races amongst that mix. Um, so I think it's time for me to have um, some downtime um, for at least a month or two. Um, it's really easy in Australia not to do that. It's really easy to get <laughs> caught up in racing all the time. Um, but that's what's going to lead to injury um, and just fatigue, um, mental fatigue. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to have some time off for a while and, Um, it all in and um, I am hoping to get into Western States next year um, which is one of the biggest races in in America and um, yeah we'll just see what see what happens
0: there. I'm a trail runner I I obviously don't do anything remotely like the distances you do but I do have a lot of friends who are entering they're tiptoeing into the ultra world doing their first 50s and 100s this year have you got any favorite Aussie events that you just absolutely love, and you would recommend other people would do.
2: Yeah, I guess my my two favourite events are the CEFCO Century, uh, which is happening this Saturday. Um, I love this event um, not only because I've won it three times, but um, also because there's um, you know a range of distances and a range of ways that you can tackle it. So you can you know go into it as a team for the first time, um, and then the following year you can you know work your way up to the fifty, and then work your way up to the hundred. There's lots of there's lots of options and it's a pretty nice introductory um, ultra run um, that's not too hilly compared to some of the others around. And my second favourite event is the Ultra Trail Australia. Um, that's probably the biggest event that we have in Australia in terms of competitors and um, and um, people coming to watch and it's just like a big, it's a big festival. Um, they, they get a few more international runners and it's, um, you know, it's a beautiful course. Um, it's challenging with all the steps. It's a little bit different. So, um, yeah, that would be my second favourite too. Well,
1: it's a shame you're missing out on Surf Coast Century this weekend, but you've got a good excuse for being away.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit sad that I'm not there to see some of my runners. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> take it on and um and of course not running it myself but uh i think this uh, i think being in europe over here definitely makes up for it so it's it's all good but I, i wish everyone all the best um who's tackling it this weekend
1: and kelly thanks so much for joining us on the podcast this week i was so happy when i saw your result flash up um it's a great result for australia we did really well and you led the way so thanks for joining us on the podcast this week
2: no problem thanks very much for having me guys
1: Now to catch up with one of our partners in parkrun, we've recently partnered with Brave Hearts, who are going to help deliver some important initiatives or some important training to help us deliver junior parkrun here in this country. So we thought, let's find out exactly what Brave Hearts do. So welcome to the podcast, Jason Oxenbridge from Brave Hearts. Thanks, Scott. So Jason, let's start there. Brave Hearts, what exactly do they do? Yeah, so Brave Hearts is...
3: A, a holistic child protection organisation that deals specifically uh, around the issue of child uh, sexual assault and we educate kids around um, empowering them with knowledge um, and equipping them with, with skills, to how to stay safe in a whole raft of situations from cyberbullying uh, to bullying uh, to sexual assault and we deliver that program right around the country and, um, and it's tailored for children aged between three and eight, so lower primary and childcare centres and um, this week, I'm very proud to say we've now seen our 750,000. It's to get off. 750,000 uh, kids are now educated with that um, with that prevention program. And um, and of course, we also um, um, drive um, support programs, um, help to build the, help to build child safe communities, and offer training, as you say, um, for adults who have a duty of care to protect children. We offer specialist training for them as well, so we've worked with the likes of um, Little Athletics Australia, um, a bunch of schools right around the country, um, just to ensure that child protection policies are in place and also that adults have a duty of care to protect kids know how to respond appropriately and accordingly should a child disclose that something has happened to them.
0: Now, Jason, you have got a white balloon event coming up this weekend. Can you give us a bit more information about that?
3: Yeah, we sure have. It's uh, White Balloon Day is the country's, Um, number one child protection initiative. Uh, As you say, 21 years it's been going. That's a wonderful legacy of of protecting kids, two decades. And um, it's happening on Friday, September 8th, which is this Friday, and that's during Child Protection Week. And we're rolling out a whole bunch of really cool initiatives right around the country, Uh, one of which is um, a chalk um, campaign, a chalk art competition for kids so they can grab a piece of chalk and draw white balloons on cement or concrete in the schoolyard. And then they upload those photos and we share them across our digital media uh, networks um, to help raise awareness using the hashtag, let's talk about this, and chalk it up. So we think that's a really cool way to be able to amplify the message. Kids can get involved as well, parents, teachers, et cetera. And, um, yeah, so get amongst it. The other thing is that we're doing that's quite interesting is is a cyber balloon race, which we're launching from Parliament House in Canberra uh, on Friday, White Balloon Day. And that is, uh, people can go online to the White Balloon Day website, just jump on there. It's $10 to buy a balloon. All the money goes to the education programs that we deliver around the country. And you can track your balloon depending on the weather pattern and whereabouts it's moving uh, up and down the coast. And we think that's a really great way as well. It's eco-friendly. We know that physical balloons... Um, we don't endorse the release of physical white balloons. Uh, we know that they can be detrimental to the habitat and the environment. So this is a really eco-friendly, cool way that people can get involved in White Balloon Day.
1: It's one thing we want to get right, um, the safety of our children. Once you once you get involved in it, you realise that it is really important. So thanks for helping us out. I also like the idea of the let's chalk about it, because I reckon we might have a bit of chalk art going on on Park Run on Saturday. Um, would Saturday... Be too late to still enter this competition?
3: Absolutely not. We're encouraging the chalk it up um, uh, and let's talk about this campaign to run um, for the next week. Um, so, up until next week, we'll be still be getting people sharing across digital media platforms and uh, and a park run one sounds. I'm going to hold you guys to that. Um, let's see how many balloons you can get drawn in man on the Saturday. I oh,
1: know. It's a challenge. Cool. I'm putting it out to our park runners, our listeners. I, I want to see some chalk art on the paths this saturday how many, can i ask you guys a question
3: how many um kids are involved in the park the park runs?
1: look it's a hard one to say jason you know um that's that's the very reason why we'd like to launch junior park runs so there is a park run that is accessible for kids because sometimes 5k is just too far and um i think we yep. like the idea of a two kilometer run but there's definitely kids, there's definitely kids at uh, Park Run no matter which park run you go to every week. I remember seeing
3: you guys and some of your park runners at our final leg of our Brave Hearts Triple Seven uh, at Kings Creek on the Northern New South Wales coast. So I, um there was a couple of park run people there, which was fantastic to see for our second last leg of the Brave Hearts Triple Seven this year.
1: What sort of stuff does that do for Brave Hearts and the awareness? It's a big thing. It's a a big effort for those people involved to run seven marathons in seven days in seven states. But what does that mean for an organisation like Bravehearts?
3: Well, it's massive. And, um, you know, we use the analogy that these people are taking big steps to help protect, you know, little kids and, um, you know, run a mile in the shoes of the children who you're helping to support and to protect um, from a... Publicity perspective, it's fantastic because it's just such a hard exercise to achieve. I mean, you know what it's like to run one marathon, 42 Ks. Imagine jumping on a plane, flying to a new city and waking up and doing that again for seven days in a row. It's like Groundhog Day.
0: It's a fantastic thing you guys do, Jason, and we are very, very proud and happy to have you involved with junior parkrun australia and helping us keep our parkrun kids safe and hopefully that helps spread the message further afield beyond parkrun as
3: well yeah well thank you so much for your support i mean um you know protecting kids is everyone's business and um let's work together to make australia the safest place in the world to raise a child who doesn't want to be a part of that
0: Last year, New South Wales was responsible for launching the most events of any state or territory in Australia. This year, they are doing their best to keep up the good work, and last week, we had a new event launch in New South Wales called Inverell. Joining us this week to tell us all about it is Event Director Marina Woodward. Marina, welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers.
4: Hello, thank you.
0: Now, tell us. Brand new event director, brand new event. How was your launch? Was it great?
4: Our launch was awesome. We had 121 park runners and walkers. Um, everybody was extremely enthusiastic. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. Very successful. Everybody was was incredibly happy with it. We've gotten a great deal of extremely positive feedback, both online and verbally since the event. Everybody's looking forward to us keeping on going. It, it's brilliant. It's fantastic.
1: Now, I alluded last week that I think I've been to Inverell. Can you just confirm that I have been to Inverell? Can you tell us exactly where it is? Because it's not a big town, is it?
4: No, it's not. Our total population is probably a little shy of 15,000. We're um, we are we're not a highway town. Um, Glen Innes is the nearest highway town to us in the New England area of New South Wales. We are 65 kilometres west of Glen Innes, um, 130 kilometres east of Moree, and are uh, 100 or so kilometres south of the Queensland border. With um, Texas being the closest thing to a border town near us, so we're we're inland. We're in the hills. We're 100 and 30 k's or thereabouts from Armadale, which is probably the best-known New England town, and a good two hours and 20 minutes or so from Tamworth.
1: And my recollections of visiting Inverell was that it was very green. What, what's, the, um, what, what's the industry and what's the area of Inverell like?
4: Yeah, it is. It, it's a really pretty town. Um, the, the main industry that we rely on for employment is probably an abattoir. Um, We also have a large steelworks engineering business, um, retail, a lot of retail. There are farms in the area, um, we're not an irrigated farming area so much, more grazing, and a few probably a few small crops, but... We've got the beautiful McIntyre River that runs through town, um, and it is like decent rainfall. We're not a, a dry area. I don't know exactly what the rainfall is, but it is largely green except for winter when we get a lot of frost and everything burns off. It's cold in winter.
1: Was it cold on Saturday?
4: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but you still had a good turnout. As turn cold out. as it has been, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did, and it was it was really good actually. There was frost on the riverbank. Um, my probably not so reliable telephone and watch told me it was two degrees, but I don't think you get frost on the riverbank at two degrees. so <laughs> but it was it, it was a beautiful sunny day as well, and that's what the the beauty of our winter is that we can get down. I have run doing training runs at minus nine, um, but later in the day you might you might max out at eighteen or nineteen degrees. So while we do start quite cold in the early mornings, we have beautiful clear sunny days that follow the frost, and it's lovely. And Saturday was one of those days. Right along the river, our entire parkrun course is parallel with the river, um, and obviously closer to the water, it's a little bit cooler. But you soon warm up if you you're at a brisk jog. So everybody was pretty happy with that. So we yeah, it was good. It was cool, but it was good.
0: Marina, so you mentioned earlier that Armadale is probably the most well-known, closest town in New England um, area. What What's your closest park run?
4: Um, Armadale, and so I registered for park run a few years ago and Armadale was my home run when I registered. Um, since then, Moree has also started. They're the same distance from us on the road. So they're, they're both about 130 kilometres away, but Armadale was our closest park run. Um, when I registered a couple of years ago, so we were the fifth event to launch in the, the northwest of New South Wales, and those park runs are Temworth, Narrabri, Moree, Armadale, and Nowra. The
0: the fact that those events were so far away how, is that what got you involved? Is that what you, got you launching your own event?
4: Yeah, I, I think that certainly had something to do with it. I have personally participated in, in Parkrun at a number of different locations, but mostly coastal when I was on holidays. Um, I'm co-event director with another woman whose name is Nikki Webb, and it was, I think, a, a large factor for her. It was initially her who went, come on, let's get this started in Inverell, and then between us we got the work underway, um, she was travelling frequently to parkrun in Tamworth to take part down there with family in that area. And, yeah, I think it was just a, come on, we need to do this closer to home. And we did. We, yeah, went from there.
1: How did you find the whole process of getting a parkrun up and going? Sometimes it can be a bit laborious well, and there's a few challenges. Did you come across any?
4: Yeah, yeah. And, well, a, a few minor challenges, but, I mean, it's mostly fundraising related and in a small community it's not always easy to get what are also small businesses to to contribute financially but I mean really we started in March and we launched in September so it it wasn't a long road for us I know of places that have taken much longer time wise to successfully get to launch so um, I think everybody's been really positive in in terms of being willing to offer support. And the businesses who have financially supported us to get us to launch are also businesses that focus on wellbeing and promoting that. So for for us, that part of it was, it it went fairly smoothly. There were a few minor roadblocks, but nothing that was um, extremely difficult to overcome.
0: So now you've had an opportunity to update your home park run to Inverell. Can you tell us a bit about some of those other events that you've mentioned that you've travelled to? We love to hear about people's adventures.
4: Okay. Um, the first park run I participated in was at Single Bay in the Port Stevens area, which is, it was just absolutely beautiful and gorgeous. We were on holidays, so, you know, life was easy. we were staying in Nelson Bay and it was a couple of coasts south, and off you go along the beach. It was, it was fantastic. I have also I've run a couple of times at the Gold Coast, at Cura and at Main Beach. And I mean, basically, oh, you can't fault a coastal, <laughs> a coastal park run. It's pretty hard to find something wrong with. Um, my sister was a run director, or probably is still, sorry, a, a run director at Lismore Park Run, which launched last year. So I've run there a couple of times. And Yamba, I've run at a couple of times. And all of them... Like Parkrun, the one of the, the fantastic things about Parkrun is that wherever you go, you're, you're greeted by a group of enthusiastic, supportive, friendly, welcoming people who are just going to go out and do what you're about to do and run 5Ks with a bunch of other people that like getting out there. And it, it's just, it's awesome. No, where, wherever I've been, I've, I've had good stories to tell. I was one of those people that was intimidated the first time I went because I went all by myself, and as soon as you get there and you turn up and everybody's welcoming, all of that goes away.
1: Now, what are you looking forward to, or what are you expecting for event number two? Once the uh, the fuss of the launch is all over with, the uh, the real parkrun starts to emerge from event two onwards. You're looking forward to that?
4: Yes, yeah, we are. Um, I... I worked out, and I don't know entirely because obviously a lot of the people that came to our launch were tourists, and I think that probably was about 30% of our runners, so 30 or 40 people had come from away, which leaves, and that it's like a process of elimination a little bit because the large majority of people who who are on the results page for our first run have only run one park run, so they're kind of the people that I assumed are close to here. That leaves us with somewhere around 80 people who attended last week who are either here or, or close by here. Um, I, I've no idea what to expect in terms of numbers, but if we regularly get, oh, I don't care, anywhere from 20 upwards runners, if we regularly get those people out and and socialising and moving along the river and, and you know getting into it, it's only it's only going to be good, and we will. Like we've, we're probably expecting numbers-wise somewhere between fifty and seventy most weeks. So, yeah, no, we'll we'll keep going, and yeah, now that we've started, we're we're off and racing. It's yeah, it's very exciting. I think everybody who's involved with it is very excited. We've already our volunteer base has already started to grow just after one event. So, everybody's into it. It's good.
1: That's a great sign. I think I'm going to put it on my list, Mel. There's something about Inverell that jumps out at me. So, Uh, Marina, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast this week and telling us all about your wonderful parkrun. Not a
4: problem. Thank you very much.
1: i tell you what, Mel. It fills me with hope, that chat with Marina. Do you remember going back to the very beginning and all the new friends that they're going to make at Inverell Parkrun? It's a... Dare I say it again, it's an exciting time and I'm a little bit envious of all these new events that we've got coming up.
0: Maybe you need to start something new yourself, Scotty. It's
1: funny you should say that. I think I will. I, I was, yeah? I was on a secret mission last week at Parkrun, so I think stay tuned for that one.
0: Ooh, I'm intrigued.
1: But new events this week... Just the one. North Wollongong.
0: New South Wales are still going strong with their launches, aren't they? They
1: are. And this will be the second event in uh, the Wollongong area. Which will be good for the people of Wollongong. I know they've got Shell Harbour and Sandon Point. I think they're pretty close together. But North Wollongong. Look out.
0: And we've got some anniversaries as well. One of them in New South Wales, one of them in Victoria, and one of them in Queensland. So if you're in New South Wales, you can go to Biggar.
1: If you're in Victoria, you can head down to Always Sunny Inverloch.
0: Oh, that'll be a nice one. And in Queensland, it's Wynnum's anniversary. Happy birthday slash anniversary to all those events. Yep. Now, Scotty, we promised last week that we were going to do a roundup of uh, our streaky September's thus far, giving analyses of our runs, including the splits, etc. Yep. Have you got some exciting splits to share with everybody? No. No. You? mine. Uh, well, <laughs> I think so far my best my best time was at about ten minute fifty kilometers or something like that. So. Uh, I might see whether or not I can continue to improve every day toward next week and, and see if I can report back on some kind of speed progression for everyone, if there's if there's some sort of a pattern.
1: Yeah, well, mine might have been all over the shop, not a pattern at all, but I can break down my run on Sunday, but, uh, you know, Sunday is traditionally the long, slow run day. You, you tend to do a longer run on Sunday. It's usually in the morning, not for me this week. It was Father's Day, so I wasn't going to spoil my Father's Day morning by going for a run.
0: Well, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't have thought it was being spoiled. No. But But go on.
1: (laughs) So I I pushed out my Sunday run to Sunday afternoon and called up two of my good mates, and this is where I'm going. Runners are good people, Mel. So I went out for the run. I got a headache about an hour before I went out, but I'd committed to, to my mate's. In fact, I dragged them out to go for this run, and we got halfway through, which was three and a half k's, and I was just, I was ratchet, really struggling. Because you know, one thing that is not good for a headache is pounding up and down on a pavement. Just a pro no. tip. Yeah. It just gets worse.
0: And halfway through, so you got that far? and
1: Yeah, so halfway through, I just said to these boys, you boys go ahead, I'm turning back. I don't want to do this anymore. It's all too hard. But they both said, no, 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 stuff this. We're walking back with you. And Aww. that's what I mean. Runners are really nice people in that, you know, maybe kayakers would have kept paddling down the river and gone, oh, stuff Scott. Or maybe bike riders might have said, no, no, no. He can, he can wheel back by himself. We're going to keep riding. But not runners, mate. They stick strong. And I think that's why I like them.
0: They're pretty good people, aren't they?
1: I think so. There's something to do with the personality of someone who's attracted to the sport of running and being a decent person. Oh, look,
0: and there's so many stories you hear, isn't there, from from even organized events where so-and-so broke down and they weren't going to make it to the end and somebody else sacrifices their... Probably faster finishing time to make sure that person finishes. Hmm. It happens a lot. Yeah,
1: because you can always go for another run. And I know my mate Chris, who ran with he he clocked up 100Ks for the week, so I'd know he'd done enough running. And my other mate, <laughs> my other mate, mate Barney has basically not run for August, so I, I kind of knew that he didn't miss not going for a few extra Ks. But it's beside the point. It's just the gesture, and I really appreciate it. And I think that's a better analysis of one of my runs than my splits, splits or my cadence or whatever.
0: So you went streaking with some friends.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a good lead into to our challenges.
0: Yes, the ones that we were thinking about while we were talking to guests earlier.
1: Mm-hmm. So hit me with them. What did you come up with?
0: Um, well, we're going to stick with the streaking in PJs. I'm going to just have to suck it up if it's a particularly hot day and still get out there in the flannel at PJs anyway.
1: Yep. Is it hot in the morning? I mean, surely the sun goes down at night and it's cooler in the morning. So I think there's plenty of opportunities. You're looking for excuses there, Mel, to get out of that one. I'm not going to let you. <laughs> Carry on. I never
0: look for excuses. <laughs> um, st- if there's, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who haven't done this one yet, but they need to do a park run sometime this month. Streak it park run.
1: That's easy. I've already done that. You have already
0: done. Well, I haven't. So that's that's going to be one for me to, to check off. Uh, another one, which I think I'm planning on checking off when we get to South Australia, is streaking a freedom run.
1: Mhm. I'm looking forward to a few freedom runs in South Australia as well. Yep. But there's One plenty of, of the opportunities. To, going on holidays. Yeah, plenty of opportunities to get out during the month and freedom run another course. Or your um, own course, your home course. You can freedom run your own course.
0: Any course that's not park run time. Yeah. It's worthwhile freedom running. And then we've got two more. We want to see some streaky selfies. Yes. So I've, I've been taking them. After my runs, I, I think I might have to start taking one during a run. So it's it's a possible, yeah, a streaky selfie. Yep. But absolutely want to see more from everybody else. And please share them in the Facebook group or hashtag streaky September on Instagram or Twitter. So we can find you when we search you because we want to see that you guys are out there every day. Yep.
1: Okay. And one more. We've got one more.
0: And one more. Well, I think the last one is probably something to do with uh, what we were just chatting about.
1: Streak with a friend. Yes. That's an easy one too. So if you're one of those runners that always runs alone, you're not going to win streaky September bingo doing that. You have to find a friend to run with
0: just once, just five once. five challenges to check off during the month and they, those are they. Yes. And I, I would be really interested to see how many people are actually going to get all five because I think streaking in PJs is probably going to be the one that breaks a lot of people. In fact, if you can... <laughs> no, if I think you that's the can, fun one.
1: I think that's the one that everyone's going to try.
0: It is possible to do four of these all at once, okay? You can streak in your PJs, take a selfie while you're with a friend, either doing a freedom run or at park run. So I, I'm keen to see if anybody manages to do four in a one to
1: Yeah.
0: Bonus points. I reckon that's for the cheating people a bit. doing four in a no, no, it's not no, cheating. No, because we've
1: got a long month to get through. We've got to drag this out. But if you want to cheat oh. and do it all at once, <laughs> cheat and be miserable. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mel, you've got thirty runs to get through. You don't want to pack all the fun into one.
0: There's only twenty there's there's only we're in the twenties. There's only twenty something left to go. True,
1: true. But you get my point. I do. Yes. Spread out don't, the fun. Don't
0: don't don't have all the fun all at once, yeah. people.
1: <laughs> it's like we do, we've spread out the fun over eighty episodes of the podcast. How would it have been if, if, like, episode 36 was where it was just the best and it was all fun? No, no. We're distributing that fun.
0: This this is a valid point.
1: I hope you picked up on a little bit of fun that we distribute through this episode. I noticed it, but uh, the fun's over. Mel, we've got to go.
0: Maybe we should have told people to streak with a podcast.
1: That's the secret extra points. (laughs) But yes, it's time to go. Yep. That's bingo with an E.
0: Where does the E go?
1: At the end. Bingo. Like dingo. No. You don't spell dingo with an (laughs) E? No. What do you spell? I'm sure there's a word that is G-O-E. Let me think about it. Let me think about it and I'll get back to you in episode 81.
0: You do that, I'll (laughs) talk to you then.